Hello and welcome to the New Franklin Assembly podcast. We're so glad that you chose to join us today. Our church is located at 2355 New Franklin Road, Chambersburg, Pennsylvania, 17202. Today we'll have a special missionary guest speaker for Mission Sunday, Brett Zeeler and his wonderful family. Brett and his family are missionaries to Cambodia. This morning, Brett will be talking about going to the dark places of Cambodia and spreading the light of Jesus to the world. We hope you enjoy this message this morning. Good morning, everybody. So yeah, your, uh, your bulletins have a, a different picture in there of a different missionary, right? But, uh, <laughs> uh, but we're, we're so glad to, uh, to be here with you guys this morning. And uh, maybe you remember us, maybe you don't. I don't know if it was about a year ago. And uh, we were uh, planning, on, uh, planning on being uh, shooting over to Cambodia right around now. Um, let, me, let me introduce my family to you. If we could just put that up. That way, if you, uh, if you don't remember us, you get, get a, a little picture of our, our family here. We got a couple of them in the back. We're only missing one. Uh, my wife, Rebecca, is back here. And then we have four children. Uh, we have Nadia, Josiah, Gabriel, and Silas. So they are hanging out back there. And I guess Silas wasn't here last time because we were here. So you haven't met Silas. So there you go. There's baby Silas. He is the newest missionary to Cambodia. So we're, we're glad to have him with us. And uh, last time we were about ready to head overseas, uh, we also brought the newest missionary to Cambodia because Gabriel was the same size when we went over for our first term. So... We seem to kind of keep holding on to this designation if we have the youngest missionary to Cambodia at all times. But, um, but yeah, as I said, we were, we were planning on uh, leaving right around now to head back to Cambodia uh, and talking with, our, talking with our leadership and uh, just really praying for God's, God's timing. Um, really felt like the Holy Spirit was, was asking us to push pause for a moment. Um, we talked with our leadership, talked with um, our area leadership in Thailand, and uh, talking about a, a training uh, that they would like us to go through. And we were like, you know what, that, they really felt like this was something that the Holy Spirit was asking us to do. Uh, but we had a, a little bit of a confusion because we were living in missions housing in central PA. And we were like, well, this is fine. We can, you know, we, we've been communicating with our landlord. Hey, we're going to be out in March, probably mid-March. We're heading back to Cambodia. And so he had multiple missionaries talking to him about this house that we were living in. Um, so we were really like, okay, God, you know, we, we are able to do this, this training, but we're not sure about the housing piece. You know, like we kind of have to leave our house. So how is this going to work out for us if we push pause for a short while to, to do this uh, training that they're asking us to go through? And I'm like, okay, we'll, we'll do this. And then lo and behold, we got to connect with Pastor James. And it was, it was very sudden because we were like, God, I'm not sure how this is going to work. And it was like, well, what about... We remembered that you guys had some missions housing here. So connected with Pastor James, and in less than a week, we were out of our old place. We were in here. So we've been here like exactly a week uh, now in, at the house. And just want to say thank you so much. Um, it really, I, I'm having a hard time, I think, articulating well um, exactly how much it means to our family that we're able to uh, be over here in the, in the parsonage uh, for a time, looking to probably head back to Cambodia, like uh, probably towards the end of April kind of a plan to be able to go through this training. And, uh, you know, even in the week that we've been, been here, I feel like, um, you know, you've had so many testimonies here this morning, um, but just to share, I feel like God's really doing something in our family. God's really um, 
it's been a really crazy week for our family personally, uh, just even being here. And I feel like the Holy Spirit's really just um, preparing something in our hearts, preparing something in our family, doing some, doing some real work in our family. Uh, I think this is a time of preparation uh, to get ready to go back and do what he's calling us to do in Cambodia. And I feel like this was just like such a godsend to be able to be in this place. And uh, this is all about preparing to go back and preparing to do what he's calling our family to do, which I will share a little bit about here this morning if you don't remember uh, what we were planning on doing. But So just, again, thank you so much, New Franklin uh, Assembly, for, for just your generosity. And you guys obviously love and care about missionaries. So we, uh, we, we really, really appreciate that, and thank you so much. So uh, let me, let me uh, jump in here now. And just share, uh, just very briefly about Cambodia. I did already, again, a year ago. I'm, I'm trying not to be redundant again. Pastor James called me yesterday, and he's like, hey, we're going to have, uh, you know, missions weekend, mission Sunday, and, and uh, you know, uh, the missionary uh, can't come. So could, maybe you could preach tomorrow. And I'm like, okay. Well, I already kind of shared about Cambodia. I don't want to bore everybody, okay? I don't want to just be like, hey, let's preach the same message. So I, I do have a message, I believe, for you this morning. And uh, I do want to just recap a little bit about Cambodia for you. Because I don't know what, if you remember or not, and I don't want to go over too much. Let's just show you where it is. You can see it there. It's in Southeast Asia, uh, next to Laos and Thailand and Vietnam. It's a very poor country, third world country. Uh, in that part of the world, has about 16 million people, okay, is uh, the population. Next slide, I'll show you where it is, if you can zoom in. There you go. Uh, Phnom Penh is, that, is the capital uh, city of Cambodia. That's where we lived for two years uh, while we were there for our first term, hanging out. We were doing things like learning language, longest alphabet in the world, about 72 letters in Cambodia. So that's really kind of crazy, but still working on language, even since we've been back, we're still going through language courses online, things like that, trying to continue to work on that, building relationships with churches. Rebecca's a nurse. Uh, so she was doing medical missions trips and taking, uh, going with teams of nurses and doctors upriver to uh, some really poor fishing villages and things like that, setting up medical clinics. So that was kind of our first term, what God was asking us to do. Next slide, real quick, again, I'll just show you kind of what we're dealing with. 94% Buddhist, so we're primarily looking at ministering to the Buddhist world. About 3.5% Muslim, 1.5% Christian. Um, the Assemblies of God has a designation of, of uh, unreached groups, okay? And an unreached nation um, means that it's a nation where there aren't enough Christians in the country or missionaries in the country uh, to actually reach that country for the gospel. So you'd say, oh, there's, there are Christians, but it's listed as an, as an unreached nation. Okay, that means there aren't enough. There's not enough workers. There's not enough Christians uh, to possibly share the gospel with the amount of people who live in that country. So we're ministering in an unreached nation, and there's still never reached places in Cambodia, places where the gospel has never gone at all for the very first time. Uh, the most shaping thing that, uh, again, probably a lot of you remember uh, especially those who are just a little bit older than me, is that the most shaping piece of information about Cambodia I could just recap and share with you is that in the late 70s, okay, the late 70s really shaped current Cambodia because from 75 to 79, okay, Pol Pot was a, a leader, a communist leader, and the Khmer Rouge was this Cambodian uh, communist group that came and took over the country. And, uh, you know, Pol Pot, once he came into power, he had a goal uh, to stay in power, right? So he wanted to reduce his country to peasants, basically, who 
he thought could be controlled a little bit easier. So here's what I want you guys to do for me, okay? Um, I'm not going to make you do anything weird, I promise. But if you're able, could you just stand up for me? Okay, I want to give you guys a visual. I'm not going to make you do anything strange. If you're able, just stand to your feet. And um, here's what I want you guys to do. I want you to imagine that you are not Americans, but you're Cambodians, okay? And you're living in Cambodia in the late 70s, okay? Now, again, Pol Pot had, had the agenda to say, to stay in power, I want to eliminate educated people, because it's probably going to be educated people who would probably topple my, uh, my authority, who would probably challenge me. So, um, during that Khmer Rouge time, those four years, Pol Pot and his group killed a third of the population of Cambodia. A third. I mean, that's insane. Okay? So here's what we're going to think. If you are a doctor, if you are a nurse, if you are a teacher, or if you are a pastor, sit down, please. You've been killed by the Khmer Rouge. First group they targeted that group right there. If you were found out to be one of, a member of one of those groups, instantly you were put to death, execution, because you're a threat. Okay? Anybody speak another language? If you are bilingual or trilingual, sit down. You've been killed by the Khmer Rouge. Clearly, you've been educated in some way. Okay? You don't learn another language that way. Okay? Anybody wearing a pair of glasses, sit down. If you wear these, you can do what? Read, wearing glasses was a death sentence in the late 70s. Simply putting on your glasses meant instant execution to the Khmer Rouge. You've been educated, you can read. Okay? Anybody have a desk job? Sit down. Clearly, you can, you can read, you can do things along those lines. Anybody who can read and know the alphabet? Sit down. Yeah, right. <laughs> we got a joker back there. Take a look around. How would you guys have done in Cambodia in the late 70s? Not too good, okay? Imagine what it would do to your country if this was the group of people that we just described that were executed. Devastating, right? I mean, trying to come back from that. Cambodia is still a recovering nation, still recovering from a four-year communist regime over 40 years ago. Okay, and the Cambodian people are extremely resilient. They are incredibly hardworking people. Uh, they are working really, really hard uh, to be able to come back and do what, um, to do what they need to do to build their country back up, but it's a struggle, right? And they are still working really, really hard to do that. They, uh, during that time, you know, that, that part of the world is often referred to as the killing fields. You might have heard that term before, but the killing fields are, were just these shallow graves where people were executed and just filled during that time, and it set that, set that country back decades, right? It's still recovering. So that's kind of the, the, the quick snapshot of Cambodia that I really want to share with you. I'll be sharing a little bit more, but I want to jump into our scripture for this morning, and we're going to be in Luke today, okay? Luke chapter 4, and we're going to be reading from verses 14 through 21. So Luke chapter 4, verses 14 through 21. And here's what it says in that, okay? I think we have it perfect. All right, Luke chapter 4, it says this, Jesus returned to Galilee... In the power of the Spirit. 
and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went to the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So here's the big idea, okay? The whole bottom line for the whole morning. I'm just going to give it to you up front. Here's the sermon, okay? As followers of Jesus, we need to be anointed with his spirit to continue his mission of proclaiming the good news to the poor, the broken, and the lost. That's it. We need to be anointed with his spirit is the first point. We need to be anointed with his spirit. Now, what is anointing? Okay, this is a, this is a church word. Okay, you don't know what anointing is unless you grew up in church. Or maybe you have grown up in church, but it's still one of those religious terms. We have these terms in church where you kind of get the context, right? Okay, I got it. I hear this word. But what does it actually mean? Okay, well, let me, let me tell you plain and simple. Um, Old Testament, the word anointing is that, that you're just going to cover something in olive oil. I mean, right now, I could anoint Pastor James. Okay, I, could, I got some extra virgin olive oil right here. If I took this bottle of extra virgin olive oil and we just poured it all over Pastor James and just let it run down his face and, his, and, his, and get it into his shirt, we could look at him and say, he is such an anointed pastor. And it would literally be true. Because we anointed him, right? Because that's what this was. Anointing was just doing that exact act of covering someone or something with this oil. Okay, now the whole point of that is, well, why did, why did they do that, right? The, the people, in, the only people who were anointed with olive oil in the Old Testament were, were very key people, very special people, people like prophets and priests and kings. Okay, these people were anointed with olive oil to have this cover them, or stuff that was used in the tabernacle in the temple. Items, bowls, and, and tables, and, and things that were specifically for the temple, specifically for the tabernacle, they were covered in oil. But why, why was something covered and anointed like this, okay? Plain and simple. It means that person, it means that thing has been set apart for God's purpose and use. It was God's way of saying, I have a special plan, I have a special purpose for this item. I have a special plan and a special purpose for this person. It's God's way of saying, I'm going to cover this thing, I'm going to cover this person, I'm going to set this apart for me, for my use, for my purposes. And that was simply what it meant. And people who were anointed in the Old Testament, those people were able to do things and accomplish things that they would not have been able to do or accomplish without the help of the Holy Spirit's power without God's help and without God being with them to empower them to do this thing. Now, in the Christian world, anointing is a word that we throw out all the time, right? And I think in my context, often I hear the word anointing when we are talking about talented people. 
Oh, that was so anointed. That worship, that was so anointed. What does that mean? They are really awesome at the piano, and they have an incredible voice. They are so anointed. I got goosebumps. That was, that was anointed. Okay. Well, maybe. I don't, I'm not judging anybody. That's, but it's not talent. Okay? It's this idea that the Holy Spirit is empowering someone to do what they cannot do without the Spirit's power, covering them and being in them and doing what God is asking them to do. And you know what? In Scripture, now when we pull this into the New Testament, we don't usually just dump olive oil all over people, do we? Now, we do have oil, don't we? We anointed people this morning here at the church with olive oil. Okay, but let me say, in the New Testament, Old Testament also, but especially in the New Testament, when we start talking about the term anointing, it's also always paired with the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is always right alongside the word anointing in Scripture. So when we anoint people with oil now, when we pray, we... We're asking, this is a symbol, right? It's the symbol of that the Holy Spirit is going to be a part of this situation. Okay, we're asking him to come and do that. And now in the scriptures also we hear words like the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Well, what does it mean to be baptized, right? When you get baptized, in the assemblies we believe in baptism by immersion, right? Now immersion means you go under. Totally. You get covered. You get soaked. Okay, what did I just say anointing was? When we were anointing in the Old Testament, they weren't using a bottle like this. Okay, this, this is not an anointing oil in the Old Testament. This is like, this is probably not even big enough for an anointing oil bottle. I mean, they poured oil on the person. It covered their head, it got into their ears and their nose, it soaked into their clothes. They were covered, right? Their hair got all oil. It was a soaking the baptism in the Holy Spirit is the, is the same symbology. It's the same thing, and it's just a different way of saying that. If we're anointing something, if we're baptizing something, we're soaking something, we're covering something, it's the idea that the Holy Spirit is covering inside, getting into you, covering you, being with you, and then empowering you to do what you cannot do without his help. Being saturated. So being anointed is being able to have that Holy Spirit power with you. And in the scripture we see, the scriptures that we just read, we can see that Jesus was anointed. Okay, Jesus was anointed. Let's take a look at the context of our passage, okay? This passage in Luke chapter 4, right? It's a, it's, a, it's a key passage to what Jesus is preparing to do in ministry. He hasn't done anything yet, okay? This is a preparation time for him. And if we jump back to Luke chapter 3, we see in verse 21 it says this, When all the people were baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. Luke chapter 4, verse 1, just a little bit before this passage I just read. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the desert where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. And then our passage, Luke 4, 14, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. Verse 18, he said, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me. 
Okay, so you see this idea of the anointing. He said his idea of the anointing to preach good news to the poor. So over and over again in these two chapters, it's declared that Jesus was anointed. He was full of the Holy Spirit. This is what launched him into his public ministry, okay? It was his first empowerment came from the Holy Spirit, and then the Holy Spirit sent him out to do what the Spirit was calling him to do. Okay, so here's the deal. If Jesus needed to be anointed, oh my goodness, we definitely need to be anointed. Okay? If, Je- if Jesus needed that, we really need that. Okay? We must be anointed. We must be anointed. And what did it say? What did, what did it say in Acts, right? Jesus said, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave his disciples this command, do not leave Jerusalem. But wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about, for John baptized with water. But in a few days, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Okay? So Jesus said, this is something I need for my people to have. This is something I want for you to have, right? And we know what the purpose is, right? We're, we're a Pentecostal church, Acts 1-8. But the, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, like Cambodia. Right? You can't get any farther away than Cambodia, by the way. You stick your finger on Pennsylvania, just close your eyes and stick your finger on the, on the other side of the globe, you're pretty much close to Cambodia. Okay? You, come any, you go any further, and you're coming back around the globe. Okay? So that's just saying, everywhere you go, I want to send you to all parts of the world. And the Spirit's anointing is available for every single person, for all believers. Right? After the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit came, Peter said, um, this promise is for you and your children, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord your God will call. So it's not anymore, so the Old Testament idea, right? Again, I told you, very few people were anointed. Very few in the Old Testament. I don't have an exact number. It was not very many. Very few anointed people in the Old Testament. Select special people, prophets, priests, and kings, pretty much the only group that got this anointing. But what did Peter just say? This is for you, for your children, for all who are far off, right? And, and Peter said in, earlier in that sermon, right, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your, your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Okay, all people. I'm going to change this scenario. It's not going to be the pastor, the prophet, the priest, the king. It's going to be for all people. I am opening up the floodgates. And that's the era we're living in. We are in the New Testament time where Jesus is saying, this is available for every single person. It's not a select few. It's not just for pastors. It's not just for missionaries. It's not just for those who are in quote-unquote full-time ministry. Okay, this is for every single follower of Jesus. Okay, God has a purpose for every single one of his believers to be anointed, to be full of the Holy Spirit, because he wants us to reach those who don't know God. And that's all of our job. Not just missionaries, not just pastors. It's our job as his followers to reach those who don't know him. And he says, you can't do that without my help. You can't do that without my power. You can't do that without the Holy Spirit being with you. So you need this anointing that comes from me. And so that kind of brings us to the second thing. So first, we need to be anointed. Secondly, we need to care about those who Jesus cares most about. Okay? 
We get this anointing, but then we we need to care about the people that Jesus cares about. So in Luke chapter 4, Jesus opens up this this scroll. He starts reading. He he reads from Isaiah the prophet, chapter 6, right? And what does the Bible say, right? The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. Good news to the poor. Set the sights of the blind opening, right? The, the, those who are downcast, those who are oppressed, right? Good news to the poor, freedom for prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free. Jesus said this is the group of people to whom he had been sent. Yes, Jesus cares about everybody, right? Every single person. But who did Jesus spend most of his time with? Was it the social elite? Was it the, the people who had the most money, the rich, the educated? There were some. Some came to him. Who did he call to be his disciples? Just common fishermen. The Bible says that the religious leaders were surprised because they were ordinary, uneducated men. This group of people, they were just normal people. These are the people that Jesus came. Ordinary people, the vulnerable people, the people who were broken, poor, lost. And this, in the vast majority, this is the group of people that flooded and flocked to him because they recognized and saw that this is some really good news for me. And our job is to continue Jesus' mission. And he said his mission was to proclaim good news to the poor, the broken, and the lost, right? Now, if I ask you, what what does it mean to be poor? Who are the poor, right? Well, we're Americans, and I'll tell you, I'll just answer for you, okay? Typically, when you ask an American, what does it mean to be poor? You're going to get answers like, well, if you don't have enough money, if you don't live in a good place, if you don't have access to adequate medicine or health care, you know, if you don't have what you need to buy adequate food, then, then you're poor, Right? That's what it means to be poor. But I just described poor in completely physical terms, didn't I? That's how we think. We are, we are a materialistic culture. That's, that's just a, a fact. That's a part of who we are. So when we think of poor and poverty, we think materially. You don't have what you need physically, so therefore you're poor. You know, no clean water, all these things, right? And then we, we, we go to places like Cambodia, and if you were to ask people who are materially poor, the average person in Cambodia is extremely poor, right? Making, making less than $5 a day, okay? That's enough to buy the food you need for that day. You get sick one day, you're not feeling well one day, you're not eating that day, okay? Hand to mouth. This is, this is a very common plight for millions of people in Cambodia, okay? If you were to go to those people, somebody in a materially poor situation, and ask them, what does it mean to be poor? They are more likely to describe how they're experiencing life, not in terms of what they are lacking physically, but they describe the condition of being poor as psychological and social, okay? They will start saying things like, To be poor means I'm stuck. I can't get out. I can't change my situation. No matter what I do, nothing is ever going to be different. I feel humiliated. I feel powerless. I feel voiceless. I feel inferior. The number one feeling associated with those who are physically poor is hopelessness. We have to stop seeing poverty. So Jesus said, I'm going to preach to the poor... We automatically get a picture of a certain group of people. 
But we have to stop seeing poverty as physical and see it for what it actually is. It's, it's relational and it's spiritual. That's what poverty is at its core, right? Have you ever been in a situation where you felt hopeless? Where you felt powerless, voiceless, afraid? Have you ever been in a situation that you felt like no matter what you do, you can't change it? You're not strong enough. You're not powerful enough to change this situation. I just want to fix this. I want to change this. But I can't. Maybe you're watching a loved one or a child make bad decision after bad decision after bad decision, and you just, you can't change them. You can't fix it. Or you're watching somebody you love who, who's sick and just kind of fading away, and you can't, you can't change that. Guess what? You're poor. Every single one of us is poor without Jesus. When Jesus said, I've come to preach to the poor, he's not talking about money. He's talking about you and me. He's talking about every single one of us, that we each suffer this same brokenness because of the result of the fall. Our relationship with God is broken. Our relationship with others is broken. Our relationship with the world that he has created is damaged and broken. That's what being poor means. And if you want an education in hopelessness, okay, let, let me bring you to Cambodia. Okay, what does it mean to be hopeless? Let me introduce you to the, the major religion of Cambodia called Buddhism, okay? Buddhism teaches that you are born into the situation that you deserve. They, they teach this idea of samsara, this cycle. They believe in, in birth, death, and reincarnation, right? It's not, they call it rebirth, so we just use the word reincarnation so you understand a little bit. They, they tweak it a little. But this birth, death, and reincarnation is that you are on this wheel and you're stuck on it. Birth, death, reincarnation. Birth, death, reincarnation. Birth, death, reincarnation. You keep coming back and you keep coming back and the life that you are living right now is based off of the previous lives you've had, the karma that you have built up over your previous life. So if you're poor, you deserve it. The reason why you are impoverished, the reason why you are born into a difficult, horrible, awful situation is because in your previous life you were an evil person, you did not do things well, and therefore you deserve the life you have been given. This is literally the life you deserve. If it's a good life, if you live a good life and do your best, perhaps you'll come back next time in a little bit better of a situation. Okay, you want to build up your positive karma so you can come back better in a better situation. So in a worldview like this, many, many, many Cambodians don't even see the point of trying to change their situation. I'm stuck in this life, in this poverty, in this horrible situation. The rich are rich and powerful because they deserve to be rich and powerful. They are better than me. They, are, they deserve that. I deserve this. So who am I to question them? And vice versa. People talk down to each other all the time. I'm poor and struggling because I deserve to be poor and struggling. Maybe if I live better, my next life will be, be a little bit better. And they, they believe this, this situation is stuck. One of, the, one of the tenets of Buddhism, one of the things they repeat and chant over and over again when you learn about Buddhism is they say, to live is to suffer. Okay? 
As long as you are alive, you are stuck on this wheel of you're just suffering. To live, to exist, is to suffer. You go through bad things. People get sick. People get hurt. You, emotional pain. and All these things, right? To live is to suffer. And you're, you can't break out of this wheel of coming back and coming back. And the Buddhist goal is to achieve something called nirvana. Maybe you've heard that. It's not a rock band. Okay? They want to achieve nirvana. It's, and nirvana is not heaven. Let's be clear. Nirvana is not a utopian perfect place, right? The word nirvana means nothingness. The goal of the Buddhist person is to go to nirvana, to break out of this wheel of suffering and to not be reincarnated again but instead to go to nirvana and not come back to this planet. And when you go to nirvana, the, or the, the Buddhist uh, scripts say that you, know, you are like a drop of water being added back into the ocean, and it just engulfs you. You don't exist anymore. You don't have a personhood. You don't have a selfhood. It's just that your spirit gets like snuffed out, added back into the ocean. Imagine... If the goal of your religion was literally, I just want to stop living. Welcome to being a Buddhist. Hopelessness. What did Jesus say? I have come that they may have life, and life to the full. This is what Jesus says about every single one of us. Every single person who he created, vastly different, vastly different. And this isn't just for Cambodia. It's not just for Buddhists, right? Who are the poor in your life? Who are those around you? who feel stuck, who feel trapped, who feel hopeless, who feel like they can't get out. Jesus cares about those people. And we, as people who are anointed with his spirit, need to care about those people because that's the mission of Jesus. So the last point is we need to continue Jesus' mission. We need to continue Jesus' mission. The anointing and the mission of Jesus is action-based. It's action-based, right? We, we often in church culture take this term of the anointing or the baptism in the Holy Spirit, and we think of it in terms of what happens at the altar, right? I, I was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now I can pray and worship and speak in tongues. We had a, a, we had a, a message in, in tongues and interpretation here this morning. That's a powerful use of the giftings, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, right? We were encouraged by the Holy Spirit speaking to us this morning, okay? Those things do have ministry inside of the church body, inside of the walls of the church. But it's not supposed to stay here. This isn't where the anointing stays when we leave. The Bible says that we're supposed to be anointed, as we already read, to go and be his witnesses, to take it and do something with it, right? To take it, and what, what have you done with the anointing that God has given you? 
What have you done with the anointing he's given you? Right? It means going out, actively seeking. Jesus said that Son of Man came to seek and to save. Seeking is active. Seeking is purposeful. Seeking means he's going out and doing it. He's not waiting for them to come. He's going and finding. He said he goes to find the one. He leaves the 99. We're the 99. He leaves the 99 to go find the one lost sheep. He's the good shepherd who goes out and does that. We need to be like our good shepherd. We, his sheep know his voice. They follow his voice. And if the good shepherd is out looking for the one, we should be following the voice of the shepherd going out to look for the one. That's our job too. Because we're continuing the mission that he has to do what he was called to do, we are called to do. We need to care about those who he is called to reach. And we need to shine his light into this dark world, right? We have to be that little light, right? I love, I was a kid's pastor for eight years, okay? Everything you ever needed to know about Jesus, you learn in kids' church. I'm sorry, Pastor James. Mostly, you just have to remind these people to do what they already know. You guys know what to do already, right? Kids' church, you learn it, and Pastor James has to shout at you every day, every weekend, to remind you of what you already know. You learned it already. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel, no. I'm going to let it shine. This is our job. Our job is to go out into a dark world and shine the light of Jesus to reach those who don't know what light is. Okay, to go to dark places. Our job as believers is to run to dark places. Not to, not to take it and hide it under a bushel, right? We got the light. Light only stands out in darkness. And every time it gets to a darker place, it stands out more. Right? Our job is to go find darkness, to run to the darkness, and to continue this mission of doing what he's asked us to do. Now, don't get me wrong. Jesus went to church regularly. This passage even said it. He went to the synagogue as was his custom. You read it. It's right there in the scripture. He went to church. Go to church. Keep coming to church if you're listening online. And if COVID starts to come down, come back to church. You got to be in church. You got to be with God's people, right? This is important. We have to do this. We have to, Jesus is with us in church. But the entire purpose of this anointing is to go out, to take it outside of the church, to get outside of our Christian bubbles, right? We get into the, I go to my small group, I go to my activities. Those things are wonderful. Those things are great. Those things are encouraging. We need to be doing those things. But we need to also reach out to say, I need to get outside of this group. We need to bring in those who aren't a part of this group yet. We need to bring in those who don't know Jesus yet. And that takes intentionality. To seek, where Jesus said to proclaim the good news to the poor. Jesus was using action words, right? Go out and intentionally do this. It doesn't happen unless you're intentional, because what happens if you're not intentional is you just fall into what's comfortable. It's normal and it's natural. It's what we all do. And it's a lot more comfortable and natural to just hang out with those who already know Jesus. Let's just be honest. It really is. We have to be intentional to seek and to save. We have to go out and find those who don't know the good news about Jesus yet. Go out and intentionally volunteer at a crisis pregnancy center. Get around some hurting young women. Invest into their lives. People who need to hear. Be a part 
of the ministry of the Holy Spirit with what he's doing in ministries like that. Get around young women at risk. Show up for a community class that's going on just for the purpose of meeting non-Christians. If you don't have non-Christian friends, that's a problem. I knew a pastor who looked around. He said, well, I like fishing, and I know a couple of these guys on my street. They got boats. I'm going to go start inviting them to come fishing with me on the weekends, on Saturdays. We're going to start fishing. Because I I can tell they like to fish. I like to fish. I realize I don't have any people in my life who are non-Christians. I don't have any non-Christian friends, and I'm a pastor. This is what he said to me. He started introducing himself to his neighbors, started saying, hey, I know a great fishing spot over here. I see you like to fish. You got a boat. You want to come with me? And he, he started, like, three or four guys in his neighborhood, they started, like, this, like, fishing club and started going fishing together. And it wasn't just for fishing. In his mind, he's like, I'm doing this because I want to share the gospel with people who don't know Jesus. And, like, out of that group of four people, I think two of them or three of them have accepted Jesus already. Because he's being intentional. I need to get around people. I need to be able to reach into their lives. I need to be able to build friendships with those who don't know. Find a way to get around people who need to hear. Find a way to do it. Ask Jesus how he wants you to do it. He'll show you. He he will. He knows how to speak to his people. Okay, he'll give you God-inspired ideas. Might sound silly to those around you, but maybe that's exactly what God wants you to do. Like, start a fishing club. I, that doesn't sound like anything special to me, but it, that was what God wanted that pastor friend of mine to do. For us, hey, I'll tell you what it means for us. It means going back to Cambodia to plant a new church in a place where there's never been one. There's still 10 provinces in Cambodia where there's never been a an Assemblies of God church. Their capital town, it'd be like saying, um, in, the, in the, the United States, it'd be like saying there's 10 states where there's no church in the capital town of that state. Well, that's Cambodia. There's still 10, ch- there's never been Christians there. There's never been a church there. The gospel has not reached that part yet. So when we go back, we're going to plant ourselves in the middle of one of those provinces and say, with God's help, we're going to try to raise up a church here. Let's be clear. I'm not a church planner. I don't feel equipped for this. But I believe God asked us to do it. You don't have to feel adequate to do what God's asking you to do. You just have to follow the voice of the Good Shepherd. You just have to be willing to say yes. And it's His anointing that does the work. We're we're relying on Him (laughs) to do what He's asked us to do. Because I can look at my life and my family and say, Dear God, there's no way I can do this. This is way beyond me. I'm not talented enough to do this. I'm not a church planner. I've never done that before. God, I don't know. I I can say yes. That's all I can do. And trust that he's going to do the work. Trust that he's going to do what he's asked us to do through us. You're just a channel. You're you're just just an ambassador, the Bible calls us, right? You represent Jesus. And he's the one with the power He's the one that's the channel that goes through who you are. Who is God asking you to bring the good news to? Okay, my context is going to be really different than your context. I don't expect you to come to Cambodia with us, okay? But let's be clear. We're living out the same scripture together. The Bible says, we just read it multiple times, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. We're all doing the same thing, okay? We fit into the last category, the ends of the earth. 
probably most of you are on the other side. Jerusalem. Just take out the word Jerusalem and put in the word Chambersburg. For real, that's not sacrilegious. That's not wrong to do. That's just your hometown. Where do you live? That's who he's calling you. Unless he's called you someplace else, unless he's calling you to a different area, to a different place, then obey the Holy Spirit, or do what he's calling you to do. We're doing the same Bible verse. We're living, we're all a part of the same plan that Jesus has. I need his anointing to do it in Cambodia. You need his anointing to do it in Chambersburg. And we need to care about those around us who need to hear this good news. Isaiah 58.10 says this, If you spend yourselves on behalf of the poor, we can put this up, if you spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. This is our job. As followers of Jesus, once again, as followers of Jesus, we must be anointed with his spirit to continue his mission of proclaiming the good news to the poor, the broken, and the lost. Are you anointed? Okay. If you haven't been filled and baptized with the Holy Spirit, today's a great day. Simply open up your life, your heart, your mind, and allow yourself to say, God, when you're ready, I'm ready. It's up to him. He, Jesus is the baptizer. Okay, it's up to him. But open up your heart, your mind, and just say, Jesus, whenever you're ready, I'm, I'm ready. And put yourself in his hands. Don't stress about it. It's not something to stress about. It's not something you can force. He's the baptizer. Okay, but allow yourself to say, God, I want that baptism. I want that anointing power. Okay, do we care about those around us? I mean, maybe, maybe just to be perfectly honest, you might be able to say to me, you know, to be perfectly honest, Pastor Brett, it's just me and God. I'm, I'm comfortable with that, and I struggle sometimes to care about the lost. I'm comfortable where I'm at. I, I like this. It's maybe I literally struggle to care. Well, maybe start there then. Start asking God to put his heart into your heart. It's okay to be honest with the Lord. And keep praying that. Keep praying, God, please put a, a, a hunger and a heart for the lost inside of me. And keep praying that until he answers that prayer. I guarantee you he will answer that prayer. That is a prayer he would love to answer. To be, have, have that hunger for those who need to hear. And then if we have that anointing, we have that, that hunger in our hearts, we have to do something about it. We have to begin reaching out. And I would leave you with saying, who are you reaching to continue this mission that Jesus has for every single one of us? That's it. Ask him who it is, who around you. Last slide, if we can just put that up. That means I'm done, by the way. Last slide means I'm done. This is us. Now, normally we have a missions table. All of my mission stuff is in storage. So, because last Sunday was our last uh, mission Sunday that I thought we were going to preach. So, um, to give up there, you guys are a giving church, okay? Thank you so much for supporting us, and uh, we really appreciate that. But I wanted to put this slide up just to show you that website, okay? Because I don't have any missions materials, but that little website there, um, I do have prayer cards. So, if you take the prayer card, you can get to that little website and then sign up for our newsletters, because I don't have a newsletter sign up. If you want to hear where we are, what we're doing, how you can pray for us specifically, please sign up for our newsletters, okay? And that way you can, you can take a prayer card, go to that website, and then sign up for our newsletters, okay, to do that. Um, the other thing I would ask is if you don't have one of these, if you don't have one of our prayer cards already, 
please, please, please take one. I do have a stack of them in the back, and I don't want them. We're going back to Cambodia, okay? I don't want to leave prayer cards. I'd rather people have them. Um, I already shared what we're doing. We're going to a dark place, and Satan's not going to be happy that we show up. Okay, I really desperately ask for people to pray for our family. So please take one. Please put it someplace where you're going to see us regularly, where you're going to pray for us. So you can take one of those on the way out, and then that way as well. Um, you can pray for us, and then go to that little website on the back, sign up for our newsletters uh, to be able to... to stay with us and come with us as we go to Cambodia so that you can continue to pray uh, for what God's asking us to do. And can I pray for you guys? And then Pastor James will come up and close. Dear God, I just thank you uh, that you love us. I thank you that you have a plan and a purpose for every single person who's here today. God, I, I thank you that you want to anoint every single person, that there aren't some who are special and anointed and some who aren't, but that you say, Every single one of us has a mission from you to be anointed by your Spirit to continue this mission of, of reaching the poor and the broken, those who need to hear the good news about Jesus, every single person who doesn't know already. I just pray you'd empower us. pray you'd fill us with your Holy Spirit once again. pray you'd put that burden in our hearts to, to reach out to our friends, our neighbors, our co-workers, our family who don't know you yet. I pray you'd put that one person or those two people on our hearts and our minds right now that we need to begin to intentionally invest in, intentionally spend time with, intentionally love into the kingdom of God. We love you and we want to serve you. We want to be used by you. In Jesus' name. Hello, everyone. This is Pastor James. I hope you enjoyed today's message. My prayer is that you would always experience all that God has for you. New Franklin Assembly exists to advance God's kingdom, to encourage God's people, and to serve our community. If you're in the Chambersburg area, we would love to have you join us for a live service. For more information, please visit our website at www.newfranklinag.org. Thank you. God bless.